Hello and welcome once again to Alpha Omega International. We're glad to have you with us today. And for those of you who may be joining from somewhere else in the world, we're certainly glad you're with us as well. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, continuing the topic of prayer as Jesus taught it from our Sermon on the Mount series. Let's begin by reading this prayer in full, sort of like we did with the Beatitudes. Every week that we talked about a new Beatitude, we just read all of them together to help us learn them uh, as well. So this is from Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer, as it's called, from verse 9, and we'll also read all the way until 15, even after the prayer. Here it is, verse 9. This is what Jesus says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Praise God. Today's sermon, we're going to entitle it, Look Up and Fear Not. And I think we're going to sort of break up the Lord's Prayer into a, a few messages, but every time we come back to it, we're just going to call it the same thing. Look Up and Fear Not. Part 1, 2, 3, and so forth. Well, as we left off from last Sunday, Jesus began to teach about prayer. And in that message, we learned that prayer is face-to-face -face with God. We also learned from Jesus what not to say, not to use so many words, not to show off in front of people, not to show off in front of God when we pray. He also taught us the importance of having a secret place, a place where we can just be alone with God. And we also learn from Jesus that even when we do pray and we lift up our needs to God, our Father already knows what we need before we even tell Him about it and how wonderful and special that is. This past week, I received a testimony, a prayers report from a member of our church. His aunt was suffering from stones that were developing in her salivary glands. And after about a year of having this, it's painful some of the stones are large, they cause bleeding in her mouth. And after just too much pain, she talked to the doctor about it, and the doctor determined surgery was needed in order to remove these stones. But that was also a challenge, because she doesn't have anybody who can take her to the hospital. She doesn't have her husband anymore, he passed away. And so there was a lot of confusion, a lot of worry surrounding the, the entire situation. And one day she decided to join a prayer online through Zoom. And in the discussion they were having, they asked if there was anybody who needed prayer. And so this woman mustered up the courage to ask for prayer specifically for that healing. And on Zoom, Christians prayed for her healing. And wouldn't you know it that after the prayer was finished, she didn't feel lumps inside of her mouth anymore. And sure enough, as she began to speak, a stone came out of her mouth. Well, a few days later, she went to the doctor to be checked out. And the doctor said, the stones are gone and there's no more need for any operation. Praise God. When that testimony was shared on one of the uh, message groups that I'm a part of, another person gave the comment, that's what happens 
when we speak face to face with God. Amen. Isn't that true? What a wonderful report of the power of God and also the love of our Father who knows our every need. And He knows how to meet our need as well. You know, Jesus prayed all the time. When you study the Gospels, you will find that all throughout the life of Jesus, He's always praying. He was a man of prayer. Most of the time, He prayed in the private place, in the secret place with His Father. But there were other times where He also prayed in public, like when He thanked God before the raising of Lazarus. He gave thanks to the Father. Or when the 70 disciples had gone out and came back with great praise reports, Jesus just rejoiced in His Spirit and He began to give thanks to the Father that the Father was revealing truth to the people who were believing in Jesus Christ. One time, Jesus was praying and His disciples watched Him pray. And when He was finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I love that. You know, the disciples didn't ask Jesus to teach them about how to do miracles, about how to do some of the things that Jesus was doing, but they did, they did ask him to teach them how to pray. John's disciples, they also were taught by John how to pray. And so the disciples wanted Jesus to teach them. What a wonderful question to ask Jesus. We should ask the same thing. We should ask Jesus this question because he can teach us how to pray. He can teach us what we should be saying, how we should be praying, what words we should use, what our frame of mind and attitude should be in prayer. And I do believe that if we ask Jesus to help us in prayer, He will. He gave us a wonderful prayer in the text that we have read today. In fact, when the disciples asked Jesus if He could teach them to pray, this was after the Sermon on the Mount. And the, sermon, or the, the prayer that He gave for them to remember when they pray, the, the words that he gave are almost identical to these words that he taught in the Sermon on the Mount. And so the very words themselves are very important to remember. Not that the Lord's Prayer is to be a repetitive, heartless one, but rather these should be the elements that fill every prayer that we make. If we keep these things that Jesus spoke in our heart, then I believe prayer truly becomes worshipful. And we pray with greater faith. And remembering what Jesus taught us in prayer will greatly encourage us throughout our life. We're going to focus on the Lord's Prayer during the next few messages, again titled, Look Up and Fear Not. This prayer that Jesus speaks about the one he teaches us, it all begins with God. Amen. As all things should begin with God. And about God, here's what we learn. When we begin praying, it's all about God. And here's what we learn. Here's what Jesus teaches us about God. Number one, who he is. Number two, where he is. And number three, what he is. This is what we learn in the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer. How does it begin? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So let's look at just this first phrase. Look at number one, who he is. 
Again, Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, the very first part of verse 9, our Father. Yes, Elohim, the God of creation, who is from everlasting to everlasting. The one that the Bible says holds the universe in the span of his hand. The one who revealed himself as Jehovah or Yahweh in his covenant with Abraham. The one who revealed himself as the great I am to Moses. The almighty, the omnipotent, the ancient of days. Yes, when you are in need or when you're in trouble, come into the presence of God. Lift up your voice and call him Father. Isn't that amazing to be able to call him Father? The term Father, it brings us so close to the very heart of God. We talk about Elohim, the creator of all the worlds. We talk about El Shaddai, the, the Almighty One. We talk about Jehovah Jireh and all these other wonderful names of God that we find in the Old Testament. We consider them and we consider how high God is above all things. But yet when we call him Father, it brings him, or I should say it brings us to the very heart of God. It brings us together with him when we call him Father. And what a wonderful name it is. Do you know it was the ministry of both Jesus and the Holy Spirit to bring us into this relationship as children of our Father in heaven. For example, in John chapter 1, verse 12, speaking about Jesus, John says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. It's because of Jesus and what he has done for us that we can come into a relationship with God and call him Father. And also about the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Not we will one day be, or that we might be someday, but we are today, right now, as we lift our voice to him, we are the children of God. Praise the Lord. We are to never forget he is almighty God. We are not to forget that he is the ancient of days, but we are to know him personally, lovingly, intimately as father. I remember growing up, my father was always a pastor. From the time I was born, he was a pastor of a church. And I remember growing up in a couple of churches that my father pastored. And I guess as a young child, not knowing any better, I believed, I, I, I had it in my mind that my dad owned the church, that the building was his, the, the, the pews in the sanctuary were his, all the rooms, everything that was in the church, it belonged to my dad. That's just the way I put it together in my own mind until he, of course, he had to correct me. But I looked at my dad as the owner of the church. And therefore, if he owned the church, then I owned it as well. But, you know, when I got older, I, of course, learned that this wasn't the case. But I always appreciated this. So many people looked at my father as the pastor. And he always was a good pastor. My father's not a, just a good pastor, a good shepherd of the church, but he's faithful. He's trustworthy. And he preaches the word of God without shame. And he preaches with boldness. He's a wonderful teacher, 
a wonderful preacher, and a wonderful man of God. And everybody who knows him in the church, they call him Pastor Flanagan, Pastor Hugh, or just simply Pastor. What I always appreciated was the fact that, of course, I know him as Pastor, but I also know him as Father. And there's only a few people, my siblings and I, who can call him such a thing. You know, there are many people in the world that know of God. The creation itself, the Bible says, testifies to all mankind that there is a great God in heaven. But only those who believe in Him, for only those who have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, who, have, who has made us a child of God, there's only a few that can know God as Father. And I'm so thankful that we can know Him in such a way. Do you know the, the same principle is taught in the book Song of Solomon, the very opening chapter. The woman who's in love with her king, she knows him as king, mighty, powerful, with all authority, ruling over all the, the nations of that part of the world. And yet in the very first chapter, she says, the king has brought me into his chambers. The king did not want her to just simply know him as king only, but to know him intimately, personally, lovingly. And that's what we have with God. To know Him as God, yes, always, but also to know Him as Father. Aren't you thankful for that? Do you know Him as Father? That is who He is. Number two, we find where He is. Jesus says, our Father in heaven. That's where He is, in heaven, on the glorious throne above every throne surrounded by myriads of angels who sing and shout His glory day after day after day. Listen, if God is on the highest throne, then that means every other throne, every other power or authority, even Satan and all of his ranking demons, all things are below the throne of God. Think of that. If God is on the highest throne, then everything else that can be named is below His throne, lesser than His power, lesser than His authority. And we must always remember these things. One of the greatest prayers that you will find in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, in fact, one of the greatest stories, one of my favorite stories is, is King Jehoshaphat. When there was a great army of Moab and Syria that came against him, an, an army that was so large, it, it completely outnumbered Judah. And all of Judah was afraid. Even King Jehoshaphat was fearful in the beginning. But then he ran to God. And here's what he says in the very beginning of his prayer. It's a long prayer. It's a wonderful prayer. But here are the very first words Jehoshaphat proclaims in his prayer. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? The very first thing that Jehoshaphat had to realize about God was that God was in heaven and above all the world, and He rules and reigns 
even over the, the greatest of all kingdoms of the earth, they are all subject to our God who is in heaven, sitting on the throne. When you read that story of Jehoshaphat, watch what victory God gave to Jehoshaphat and all the people of Judah. But it brought them great comfort to know that God is on the throne no matter what they face. Amen. I know so many Christians who are making a very big mistake in believing superstitious things. And maybe it's because of the culture they come from or perhaps the religion they used to be a part of. But there are so many Christians that believe, for, for example, in their home, their home has to be designed a certain way. Doors have to be in certain places. Beds have to be turned certain ways because if they don't do those things, then curses will come upon their family or their family will not be prosperous if they don't do these things. Now, if their house is out of order, there are many who believe you can buy a ball that's called a feng shui ball. And as long as you have that in your home, then that takes care of all the mistakes in the design of your home. Christian, if you believe that there is a power in this world that will curse you, that will harm you, that will steal from you, unless you design your house a certain way, then you are admitting this one thing. You are admitting falsely that that power is above the throne of God. Maybe you don't have those superstitions. Maybe it's something else. Maybe there are certain things you do Certain prayers you make. I know other Christians who, who feel that their, their home is being haunted by demons. And instead of asking Christian brothers and sisters to help them in prayer, they run to other non-believers who give them the recommendation of not only praying silly sounding prayers, but also send, uh, setting up incense and setting up altars in their home in order to drive out the demons or get rid of the curses. But in doing that very thing, they are, first of all, declaring that there is a power above the throne of God. And on top of that, instead of driving out demons or driving out curses, they're only inviting demonic powers to enter their home when they do things like that. We cannot be superstitious people because in our superstitions, what we're really saying is God there's a power above you that I must appease by doing silly things like arranging my furniture. God is on the throne and he is in charge and he rules and reigns over all things. When there's a problem in the home, a problem in the family, we must run to God for help and believe in him, in his power and in his authority. Amen. He alone sits on the throne. We must remember, no matter what we face in life, that God is on the throne and God is in charge. Now listen, what I'm about to say, I know I've lost a lot of people when I tried to explain this. If God is in charge, then all of our life experiences, they are either ordained by Him, commanded by Him, or else he at least permits those experiences in our lives. Again, if God is in charge of my life, then doesn't that mean he either puts me in the places I'm in 
or else he at least allows me to go into the places where I go. That doesn't mean that he wants me to sin. He wants me to make mistakes. He wants me to, to fail and dishonor him. It doesn't mean that, but it does mean that there are times he will allow me to walk in error or he will allow me to suffer. Why? Because he uses those things to teach me, to heal me, to strengthen me for what lies ahead. He uses those things to build me into the man that he wants me to be in Christ. And you know, I believe sometimes he allows us to make a mess out of our life just so that he can come in and take what we've messed up and turn it into something beautiful and then into something that glorifies his name. I don't know about you, but some of the greatest revelations of the mercy and compassion and goodness of God have come out of my sinfulness. They have come out of my selfish mistakes. They've also come out of my sufferings in life. God is on the throne. And to me, I believe he either puts me in the place I'm in or he allows me to walk in them. If we can remember this one thing in our daily living, then it will be easier for us to accept hardships and accept sufferings. Because my friend, perhaps it is God's will that we walk through them and learn from them. We can either complain and say, God, why is this happening to me? Or we can remember that he's on the throne and in charge of our lives. And then we say in times of suffering and hardships, we say, God, what can you teach me through this? What is it that you want to show me in this? God is on the throne. And Jesus teaches us these two things in the very beginning of our prayer. Number one, God is our father. Number two, he sits on the throne. And what a comfort these things are. Number three, last we see what he is. Again, our father in heaven. And then Jesus says, hallowed be your name. What is God? He is holy. Hallowed comes from the word holy. And it means that we are to regard him. We are to regard his name as holy, which means to be set apart. It deserves honor and respect. God is holy and his name is to be regarded as holy. God's name is to be held in highest honor in a Christian's life. We are to seek the things that would bring glory to his name. And we are to make decisions based on what we believe will bring honor to the name of God. You know, I have been so impressed. I think in the last year, I have met so many young people who have made such difficult decisions, such courageous decisions, all because they believe that that will bring greatest glory to God. And it includes things like where they choose to go to college, what profession they choose to go in. It also includes the courage of knowing when to 
allow a man into a girl's life or when to allow a girl into a man's life. And they make their decisions based on what does God say about this? What does God's word say about this? And sometimes, even though their heart may not completely agree with the word of God, they submit to God's word anyway. And they do the courageous thing. They trust in God and they make the decision that honors his name. I have met so many young people just in this last year making those kinds of decisions, those kinds of acts of such great courage because they believe in their heart that if they do this thing, it brings great glory and great honor to the name of God. You know, with the generation today, the young generation, especially in America and I'm sure in other parts of the world, it's a troubled generation. And I've seen a lot of young people make such horrible mistakes in life. There are many young people who reject God. They reject the love that Jesus has shown and they choose such wicked lifestyles. There are many that look at this young generation today and feel that it is hopeless. But I want to tell you, there are young people today that God is raising up who are faithful to Him, who want to honor Him in all that they do. And so we need to pray for the young generation that the Lord of the harvest will raise up even more mighty young men and women to live a life courageously, all for the glory of God. Praise the Lord. We must honor God and His name in our love and in our obedience toward Him and also in our love toward one another. So if we begin our prayer in this way, in this manner as the Lord Jesus is teaching us, our Father, into this wonderful relationship that we have with Him, our Father who is in heaven on the highest throne, who rules and reigns over all the affairs of mankind, who knows everything I'm going through, who is able to do all things, who permits my ways or places me in the places that I am in today, hallowed be your name. I want to honor your name. I want to do whatever glorifies you in life. Brother and sister, if we begin every prayer with these things, we're going to end up saying something like, wait a minute, what was it that I needed again? <laughs> or wait a minute, what was I so worried about that first drove me to pray in the first place? In other words, whatever we bring to God, whatever burdens we have, they become so much lighter when we just focus on God. Whatever worries we had that drove us to God, once we focus on Him and where He is and what He is, then our fears and our worries begin to become less and less. Whatever our needs are, we find them being met by our Father in heaven. The more we concentrate on God, the less we concentrate on our own problems. And I do believe God solves many things in our lives if we will just focus on Him. Praise the Lord. Sometimes I've come to God following this pattern that the Lord has given to us. I come with many needs. I come with many worries or, or just concerns that I have of life. But when I open up with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Sometimes my prayer ends right there because there's no more that needs to be said. My heart is settled 
My mind is set upon him, and I trust in him for all my needs. Praise the Lord. So in this prayer, just from the very beginning, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus teaches us to look up, and as a result, we are to fear not. Amen. God bless you this week as you seek the Father on his throne. Remember once again, when you do pray, you are coming face to face with the one who sits upon that throne, the one who is holy. Find that secret place this week and begin to learn to pray and acknowledge these wonderful truths that Jesus has taught us about our Father in heaven. God bless you and keep you, be gracious to you and give you peace. Until next time, amen. God bless you.